This is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman Podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. Today, I'm so excited to share a very captivating story with you about Lucy Marsh, who's gone from trauma to triumph in her life due to martial arts. Lucy is currently one of the few females ranked as six Don in the SKIF organization. She lives in the UK and has run her own dojo and competed in more than seven world championships, several European championships, and hundreds of national championships. While her background and achievements seem completely normal, Lucy's background and journey in martial arts is riddled with traumatic events, including beatings from local girl gangs when she was younger, sexual harassment in her career, and an abusive relationship. She had her first taste of martial arts in her early 20s when she joined her father, who was an architect in Malaysia, and learned to compete and win. Today, she continues to compete even though she has crippling and chronic arthritis in her hips and can barely walk. Somehow, she's able to perform the kata in competition through the pain and then continue on in her life. Learn how Lucy overcomes all through martial arts and goes from trauma to triumph in this captivating interview. This program is brought to you by adventuresofharryandfriends.com. Harry and Friends helps young minds grow stronger and empowers children through stories that inspire their imagination, develop their moral compass, set positive examples both visually and verbally, and prepare kids for life's challenges. I personally recommend this new children's book series. For more information, visit adventuresofharryandfriends.com. Join the club for up-to-date information and a free gift. Don't wait. Start your adventure today. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman podcast. Hi, Andrea. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's exciting to be here today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. We've had our, we've had our few technical difficulties getting here, but uh, like true martial artists, we didn't give up, right? It's like a proper cubite bout, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right to the end. <laughs> uh, you have a very interesting story, and I think it's important to tell you from from the looks of where you are today you've had such a wonderful life if we just look at where you are right now but sometimes we have to delve into the past really to see how you got where you are and you've had a, a martial art journey and a life that's been riddled with abuse and beatings and some traumatic events that brought you to who you are today so we're going to talk about that and my first question really is how old were you when when you began your martial art training um, when I first began my martial arts training, I was uh, 14. Okay. And, um, yeah. Still at school. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And why did you begin training in martial arts? It, it was a little turbulent start because um, I went to a youth club. I was training to be a gymnastics coach, and I got 
for some reason, uh, I wasn't particularly popular in the, in the place that this was hosted. And I got beaten many, many times when I used to go to this gymnastic class. Uh, I, I was just it mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. And that's so disturbing and interesting at the same time, because you think, why were you targeted? Who was it that was doing these be- beatings? You know, who was targeting you? Well, I think what it was, it was a coffee bar um, where sort of the sort of these gangs of girls hung out um, smoking and, and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And then and then there was the the sports centre attached to it that I was at. So I was having to sort of walk through the, their area to get to my area. And I, I probably just looked like a bit of a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my tracksuit and my jolly little leotard and and um and they I was just targeted yeah it was uh, just I was just it I suppose that's what that's the best way to say yeah. it really did you have what kind of level of confidence did you have at that time um I think it was a lot, a lot of fear mm-hmm. and, and I can't work out whether I was incredibly brave Mm-hmm. To keep to keep going back every week because I didn't want to be beaten, or whether I was just incredibly stupid. <laughs> yeah, um, I did. I did keep going back because I didn't want to be deterred by groups of girls beating me up every week. I didn't want them to win, and even at that age, I wasn't going to give up. Yeah. And what did these um, what did these beatings consist of? I mean, were they physically? a bunch of them kicking you at the same time or what exactly was happening yeah they would take me outside uh, outside of the um the sports area and they would form a circle and push me into the middle of it and then take turns just kicking and punching Mm -hmm. me and and just beating me to a pulp to be honest yeah um very frightening very scary um and it was it was really to impress the the kind of males that were around uh-huh. at the time. It was, it was very odd because it was quite a long time ago, and it wasn't really thought of that women went around beating people up. It was it was a very unusual situation uh, to impress to impress the boys. It was it was odd. Wow. Really. Yeah. Um, and there were horrible expressions such as uh, "oh, just waste her." Mm. And, and things like that. And then, you, you know, at fourteen, you don't really want to hear things. I like that, yeah. you know, just waste it. She's, she's not worthy. Just just get rid of her. Yeah. So sad and so frightening. And terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to share this particular story because other women out there experiencing abuse situations or have, and they need to know that there is a way out. Um, it It's not easy and it could last for long periods of time, but perhaps martial arts can help them um, well it certainly helped me because I got to the state uh, situation I just thought wait a minute I you know I'm getting I'm basically getting beaten up pretty much every week uh and I need to do something about this because this is it's just got beyond a joke now it's just got ridiculous I had I had pretty bad marks all over my face every time Mm -hmm. I came home and, and I, it, it just it was getting out of control. Right. So how did your martial art practice start to help you? Well, I sort of enrolled into a beginner's course, uh, a sort of 10-week beginner's course. And as soon as I started and um, started training there, I realized that I really took to it. It was just because it was mentally demanding as well as physically demanding. And um, 
I really be believed that this was going to help me. Yeah. And I think that was part of it, that the, the, the belief was that, you know, I'm, I'm going to build my, my confidence back and, and my self-esteem and, and I'm, 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 go I'm, going to, I'm going to get these girls back. You know, it may take a bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not a mentality of a 14-year-old. Yeah. Um, slightly influenced probably by um, a combination of Clint Eastwood movies and, and Kung Fu with David Carradine. Yes. The, um yeah. and yeah so I, I just decided I had you know I had to I had to rebuild myself and I had to learn how to look after myself because yeah this is the only way forward so I understand as a yellow belt maybe that was the first time that you recognized in one of these beatings that you had maybe the potential to uh, protect yourself in some way yeah, the word on the street was that I'd started karate lessons. And so these girls became, you know, it was something like a challenge for them to, to beat me up. And I got to yell about. So after about a year of training, they beat me up yet again. Um, I should be kind of used to it by now. And I found that I was blocking the kicks and I was counterattacking and it was working. The, the karate that I'd been training to two or three times a week was working and I was I was I was amazed that actually what I was doing was paying off yeah and then at one time I guess you were able to actually slap a girl and and she fell back to the to the ground yeah challenged me and then I got to the stage then where I was just absolutely sick of the whole thing and um, she slapped me in front of everybody and I slapped her back but I slapped her back with such strength she fell to the floor <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then, then they, they sort of, it sort of all broke out a bit by then. But that, interestingly enough, they didn't bother me again after that, right. which, which, which is interesting yeah. because I actually fought back. Right. The news traveled and, and they eventually understood that you weren't someone that they could just push around any, any longer. Yeah, I sort of, I, I changed my attitude. I got to the, the fear sort of dissipated and I just, I was just really angry and annoyed mm -hmm. by this continuous bullying and, and attacking me. Um, I really started to get to the end of my tether with it. Yeah. Uh, and then that beca began to show in, in, in the way that I was behaving. Right. Well, it's a, it's a good thing you did it. It's a good thing you learned. <laughs> That's, you know, a frightening situation. And you found, I guess, your inner inner power eventually. So I did. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm only a, a slight female. And and, um, and I think it would be easy. It would have been easy to have just given up and, and, and gone in a different direction. But, you know, for me, it was a challenge to overcome mm -hmm. What was happening to me and i'm sort of using a tool to do that which is a direction i would never have considered doing you know i originally started off as a gymnastics coach and uh, ended up as a doing karate so right. now sometime after this and i don't know if i have all the timelines right here but i know at some point you went to join your father in malaysia and it brought you some kind of training opportunities can you tell me a little bit about that experience and how that all happened oh it was absolutely fantastic i went to my father was working in malaysia as an architect um and i went over on a christmas to see him i hadn't seen him for a while 
and as usual i shot down to the local karate club and it was huge and, and over in malaysia they had different coaches um for different aspects of karate so you have a kata coach you'd have a kumite coach you'd have a fitness coach and i went along i was absolutely in awe of the whole thing so i trained with them the whole month i was out there and they offered me an opportunity to stay in malaysia and they would sponsor me to train with them three times a day for six days a week um and in return i would have to do all their competitions and you know be that be their little um kind of champion really trained mm -hmm. up with all their team on their national team and i was just i was bowled over by it so i sort of did stay <laughs> i stayed here yeah um, and i did i won all their all their all their championships um and the training was just out of this world, you know, three times a day. Yes. That's, that's a big commitment. Yeah, sure is. It was a six o'clock in the morning, um, 12 o'clock um, lunchtime and six o'clock again at night. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, and it was, wow, that was the best year I think I've ever spent in my training career. So exciting. And how old were you at this point? I was 20, 20 to 21. Um, so I had the energy then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's really, uh, that's really super. It's so exciting to hear uh, such an interesting story and opportunity that happened for you. And so that's one of the definite positives in, in your story. And unfortunately, there's, there's still a couple of sort of difficult times in your life um, subsequent, I guess, to that time. Um, you mentioned that in the 1980s, you, you joined the police force. So were you a, I don't know if they call a police officer or what do they call that? Yes, um, I was a, a woman police officer, WPC, uh, and I, I joined up in the 80s. Uh, and at the time, um, sexual harassment was, was quite rife. Yeah, um, because they were recruiting young girls and sort of married men, and um, in, in those days, you, nothing was you you, di you didn't come forward with it because of just the, the way the institutions run. Yeah, um, and so I I did I did struggle a lot when I joined the police because of because of the sexual harassment, and um, I got moved several times from there were four shifts, and I got moved on to all four of them. Yeah. Simultaneously, so, so over time, yeah. Uh, and I was bullied by my. Unfortunately, I was um, bullied by my inspector, who, who really these days probably would have it would have all gone through court and everything. But uh, at the time, I was I was in my twenties. I didn't realise that it was as bad as it was. Mm -hmm. So, um, but again, the only time, strangely enough, that I actually got a break from this kind of harassment was when the sergeant that was I was working under was actually a martial artist okay. who was a Wing Chun instructor, um, and so there was that kind of common respect. Yeah. So that I didn't I didn't get any approbation from him because we shared the same interests right. and understanding. Yeah, I mean the eighties were a time of sexual harassment all over the world really. And, you know, certainly yeah. I've experienced it and I'm, I'm sure other women have. It's, uh, and it happens still today, of course, but um, yeah. it's unfortunate that that had to happen to you in your career. 
of, you know, when you're trying to move your life forward and have a career and then you um, have to deal with that kind of circumstance. It was really difficult because obviously it, it, it is a form of sort of emotional bullying mm -hmm. as well, isn't it? And, and you, you get to the point where you don't want to go to work. You don't want to be left in the same room as this person. You don't want, you know, you don't want, you don't want to be cornered by them mm -hmm. and you, you're losing your confidence mm -hmm. and you can't speak out because they're your boss. So who are you going to tell? Yeah. And it, it, it just gets more and more difficult. Right. So beyond that time, and I guess this was after that, is that when you met um, your, uh, yeah, I guess you met a man, you moved in with him and um, another difficult situation for you. I think because of the, um, because I was away from my family and I was, I was living in the Midlands and I was in the police and I was being sort of badly bullied and, and, and I was unhappy. I sort of met somebody and I was kind of taken in by him really mm -hmm. because I was fairly vulnerable at that point. Um, and at first he was very charming and, and, you know, wooed me, if you like. And I eventually ended up moving in with him. Um, and within only a few weeks, uh, he started to become a very different personality. Um, and na I had naivety on my side then, really. I didn't realise that he was such a, such a big drinker. Right. And how alcohol, because I'm not a drinker myself, and how alcohol affected his mood and how he started to change um, once he'd got me to move in with him. There was almost a, you know, a transformation overnight into this um, nasty, moody, um, violent individual. And I sort of, I realized I'd really messed up because I'd given up where I was living to move in with him. And he seemed marvelous at first. And I've ended up strapped to a man who was violent. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a, just a whole new episode of horror, really. Yes. So how, how um, long were you with him? About eight years, I think. Um, three children later. Yeah. Um, and probably lost about two stones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. So you had three children with this, with this man. I did, yeah. yes. Yes. And how uh, were their lives affected by this uh, abuse? Um, you know, was he physically abusive or mentally abusive he to was, you? Yeah. He was physically. He yeah. he he gave me a, a few beatings. Well, a lot of beatings. Um, broke my bones, put marks on my face, mm -hmm. uh, tried to strangle me, to pull the knife on me, all that kind of stuff. Pretty awful, to be honest. Yeah. I can talk about it now. I wasn't able to talk about it for a long time, um, but I can now. Yeah. And, you know, in the end, I after my third child, I, I left him. She was about two days old. Okay. I couldn't take it anymore. So I, I managed. I mean, leaving was difficult because you have to invent a whole scenario that they don't know what you're up to because you're living in fear. Yes. So I had to, you know, it took me a while to kind of get this up in, in between having a baby. I know. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. but Firing a baby out. Yeah. Um, planning to leave him so you know it, it, it didn't quite go to plan but I managed to get away and, and that was the important thing yeah and I think that you said you really felt like your martial art training because I guess you were able to train still that during that marriage or I don't know if it was a marriage but during that time I, I, did, for, I did for a while but he stopped okay. me because 
you know, jealous and possessive and everything else. Yeah. Um, but I, I never stopped. I think in that period, it was the mental training that, that, that kept me sane. Yeah. Um, you know, being determined and, and, and really making and focused and de deciding that this wasn't a life I had to get out. Uh, how did you continue your martial art practice then after you left him and you had the children and you were a single parent? How did you continue I, your practice? Yeah. Well, I moved up to two, two and a half, 250 miles away from him. Um, and, and within four weeks of moving away, I joined a, a martial arts group, a karate group. And I decided I needed to rebuild myself and reinvent myself and, and rebuild my confidence. Um, and this really helped. Mm -hmm. I started training twice a week. I paid a babysitter so that I could go out and just be me. Yeah, just have time back where I could be the essence of myself, right? And, and not have to think about kids' dummies and, and bottles and and just just do agiuki, right? <laughs> March them down, um, and that was really my outlet. Mm -hmm. This was a time in martial arts when it was mostly men, probably training, and you felt there was some male ego and that kind of thing. What was that oh, like? Yeah, I mean, my instructor, um, unfortunately, um, I was about a grade or two behind him and I wanted to take my next grading and he made it really difficult. And the group that I was with were a little bit out of date, you know, with, with where, they, where they needed to be. Um, and they would put taboos on things. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to come down south and train with other people in the association. And there was all this sort of old fashioned taboo. You can't do this and you can't do that. And they, basically I was just kept in, in, in that dojo and it, I wasn't progressing. I didn't feel, you know, I felt I had so much more to offer and, and so much more to learn. And it was kind of becoming a little bit staid and stale. Yeah. Um, and I was kept, coming across old-fashioned values and I, I was I was getting really frustrated with it all not being able to move forward and not really being recognized for the talents I felt that I had right um, and so I, I started to sort of lose motivation with it mm -hmm. and then you eventually though found an outlet I guess through a friend who reintroduced you back to competition so how did that help you get out of that situation that you were just describing? I, I, I will eternally be grateful to this friend because he introduced me to a group um, who competition based and um, I went along to train with them and it was just like, I was just, my eyes were opened. Uh, it was sport karate. Um, and I met some fantastic people. They welcomed me into the group. I worked really hard. I got on the squad. I had my own coach. It was fantastic. And I just opened up a whole new area of karate. Um, that I just hadn't really experienced for such a long time. Yeah. And also it was able to, for me to value myself because if I was winning medals, then I was beginning to feel valued again. Right. And so... How many champion world championships and European championships have you been in? Um, at the moment, I think I've done about seven world championships. 
I've been to Australia, I've been to Athens, um, I've been to Czechoslovakia, Slovenia, uh, where was the other one? Japan, the World Championships in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, I've done several European Championships and lots of internationals and lots of nationals now. Right. Over the last nine years. And you've won quite a few. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I've won two world championships, and uh, I've 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 come, you know, second and third in as well in the same championships. Mm -hmm. So in different areas, which I'm really pleased about. Um, and I've worked really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not the best. I'm just a hard worker. I'm not sort of massively talented and I'm not, I know some, some people are just naturally good, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Just, I'm just one that works really hard at it. So it, it's really more about how much training and how much practice I've put in. Right. Um, and, and I think that it just pays off in the end. You know, it, it really is about what you put in as to what you get back. It really is. And that's, what's really wonderful about martial arts is it, there is a relationship to how hard you work and how well you do or how well you uh, progress and how you feel about yourself. There is a, a correlation there. Um, so it's- Oh, definitely. Yeah. So how old were you then when you began this, this second wave of competition from you, you competed when you were much younger, teenager, and then now. So what, have, what was your age when you began this series of- um 49 when I started again yeah um so so yeah quite unusual really to um to want to become an athlete at 49 I think it's and amazing yeah I think that's wonderful they're usually wheeling them out not wheeling them right. in so, <laughs> so. <laughs> well it just goes to show that age is just a number I I truly believe that uh, I'm 40 I'm I'm not even 40 I'm 57 so I still am pushing myself in as many ways as possible because it's just how I see my life because of martial arts. I know that I can do what I want, including this podcast and some of the other outreach that I'm doing. I'm just willing to step up and try new things and, and try to make a difference. And that I think is just the martial art mindset that we have. Yeah, I think we have to um, really be aware that we evolve, don't we? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we were still doing the same as what we did when we started. Um, there's a there's a there's a an element of uh, evolving. So you know what what interests you at one stage doesn't always interest you at another stage. Uh, and I think that's what I'd like I'd like to see in martial arts that more sort of flexibility and, and evolution of you know we do want to do other aspects of it we don't just want to plow up and down doing the same basics the same cutters right. and the same cutie drills we want to develop that yeah you know make make it more put your own flavor on it and understand it better it, it, otherwise it, it can just become quite staid and and you know it's it, it is about mental development as well and emotional and spiritual it's not just physical is it right and that's a lesson that sometimes takes students a while to learn when they begin. When you begin, it is very physical, the kicks, the punches, blocks, whatnot, because it's like learning a language. You have to do those basic things to start to develop the understanding. 
And so that takes time. But once you get to the point where you understand that martial arts is a personal development of mind, body, and spirit, and that uh, helps you in your life. I think so. I mean, I was very lucky. My chief instructor is, is, is Kanazawa, uh, well, Kanazawa previously, and now his son mm -hmm. is, is our chief. And he, you know, luckily we also had the philosophies with our training. So we would be told about balance and harmony and all the sort of things that you want to hear. Yeah. And, and that wisdom, that philosophy of, of what martial arts brings to your life. Mm -hmm. Because over there, it's the culture for them. You know, the Japanese, they, they, they have it at school and they're brought up with it, the respect and everything. Whereas um, in Europe, we tend to sort of do it as a, you know, a chosen hobby, don't we? Mm -hmm. We have to go and find it. Whereas they, they're all brought up with it. So certainly you can, you know, you see when you go over to Japan, you can see so, such a different um, attitude. Yeah. Because they, they grow up with it. Right. And, and I think that you mentioned also that you do have some physical limitations. You do have some issues with your physical health, and, but that you push past it in training, how, however training works for you. And do you want to touch on that for a minute? Yeah, I, I, I've been diagnosed with two arthritic hips. Um, they've got to the, the um, final stage now. So I'm, I'm chronic, I've got chronic arthritis in both hips. And this has really restricted me in the last seven or eight years. Um, I get flare-ups pretty much every couple of days. So my walking is limited. Um, and people often say to me, well, how do you manage to compete when you can't even walk? Right. <laughs> And yeah, it's true. But I, you know, for that, if, if you're doing a catering competition, you're probably on the mat for a couple of minutes. Yeah. So you basically just got to push through the pain for two minutes. And it's kind of learning how to do that. And so you go out there and you just have to really just push through those pain barriers. And, and, and you know, you know, you're only up, up for a couple of minutes. So it, it's not like running a long, a long distance. Mm -hmm. But still, so you, that's amazing that you're limited in your walking, you have the arthritic hips, but your competition means so much to you and does so much for you that you're willing to take those couple of minutes and just give it your all and push through the pain. Yeah, I, it's great. I, it's quite funny though, because when I leave a competition, I look like I should be probably in, in the local um, A&E. <laughs> 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 rather than competing um yeah and i kind of try to hide that side of it because i don't really want people to see me as it, you know that side of me I, I i try to hide that but sometimes it's impossible because yeah. the, the hip just completely goes and uh yeah i am i am due to, to have an operation soon so okay. we'll just have to see what happens yeah after well that's truly inspiring it really is what inspiration, if we're talking, if we kind of step back now and look at martial art women in a, in a bigger picture, why do you think it's so important that, what do you think is so important about martial art women today? What is it that's important that we can tell women, you know, you really should try martial arts because we need this presence in our world or because you can overcome your obstacles. What, do you, what are some of the things that you would tell a martial art woman? Um, interested in martial arts and why it's so important. 
Well, initially, um, you know, the self-defense aspect of it is really important for women, I think, because because we do tend to be sort of underrated a lot of the time. And learning to do self-defense physically can also have that knock-on effect of teaching you to defend yourself mentally and emotionally as well. Um, and I think that's really important because although we don't want to go around being massively confrontational, it wouldn't do you any harm to be more confrontational when somebody becomes too willful mm -hmm. on you. And, you know, certainly within the workplace, when people start to move those goalposts and go a little bit over where they should be or step a bit over the boundaries that they shouldn't be stepping over, at those points, if you are martial arts trained, you can kind of bring those boundaries back just by that communication because you're defending yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it, it, defending yourself is in every aspect. It's, it's, it's in being able to confront people, being able to tell people to communicate how you feel and not necessarily always taking a step back. Yeah. So for me that's um really important and it doesn't mean you have to become aggressive or abusive or you know hard work it just means that you you can have that confidence in yourself a lot more self -confidence you are and understand who you are which is kind of important yeah exactly now where are your bullies all today do you do you still see these these people by any by any chance or stretch of the imagination do you have do you know any anything about them anymore well i have i've got um a couple of them um and they're, they're not looking good i have to say mm -hmm. andrea they're not looking good yeah. me yeah <laughs> Even um yeah they've just gone they've just gone to seed really yeah. um because i think along with with your martial arts training you also take care of yourself Right. You know, you're not going to allow to get unhealthy, to allow, you know, excess drinking and excess smoking. And you, you, you're going to look after yourself because you want to be the best, don't you, if you're, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're trained focused. And, and, and unfortunately, if you, if you go down the other direction, if you take that unhealthy path, then that's kind of where these people have gone. Right. Um, and, and I feel quite confident because I didn't take that path. Yeah, I agree with you that martial art training, it does give you a better life overall, physically and mentally. And because you've kept in shape and you've followed your, your dreams and your passions, those all help you really have a sense of longevity, of feeling good about yourself. And whereas those who take the alternate paths of drinking and smoking and unhealthy behaviors for so long that they're not going to be at the same kind of level that we are, thanks to our training. Exactly. I mean, across the board, if you if you take care of yourself and, and you respect yourself, because our martial arts training, it's all about respect, isn't mm -hmm. it? Respecting our senses, respecting our teammates respecting our coaches but no also respecting yourself right and if you haven't got that self-respect then then what are you doing you know <laughs> you you've got to have self-respect and i think that's a really good starting point for women because sometimes we're so busy making sure everybody else is okay making sure everybody else's needs are met we quite often forget about our own mm -hmm. 
That's very true. And then you know it becomes unraveled, and and we become unraveled because we haven't thought about our own needs. Yeah. Lucy, where where do you live exactly? I've never really. I don't think I asked you that. I know you're in the UK somewhere, <laughs> but uh, where I'm do you live? I'm in the north. I'm in north. I'm in I'm in north. I'm in the north. Um, in a place called near Blackpool, which is like a holiday town. Okay. Um, it, about an hour from Manchester. Okay. In, in the UK. I was just curious about that, yeah. It's not the nicest place. So we're really coming to the end here of, of the podcast, but I just want to leave it open for a minute and see if there's anything else you would like to share, any stories or information or any words of insight, anything at all. Um. I would just like to thank you for letting me tell my story. I really appreciate that because um, I, I've, never, I've never had a platform to be able to tell my story. Um, people who know me always see me as the laugher and the joker and, and, and the smiler. And, and, you know, there's a story behind me. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not um, kind of the fool that I, I play sometimes. Um, but for me, positive thinking and feminine energy, that's where I am right now. And I, I just want the rest of my life to be, you know, nice and relaxed with no more trauma <laughs> or <Right>. tribulation. <laughs> I think you're well on your way to to that con- continuing in the positive thinking and, and energy that you have to offer. So I really appreciate you telling your story. I know it's it's not an easy story to tell and that sometimes holds people back from sharing. But I think it's very worthy of sharing with everyone out there, not just martial art women. I, I think everybody needs to know these stories. And some people, some martial art women have only great stories to tell and some have difficult stories, but they're all worth sharing. And that's my goal in this podcast. So again, thank you. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the evening. And I appreciate <laughs> you working with me on the timing and everything of the podcast. But I'm so glad we did it. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it, and uh, I, I really, uh, I really support you in, in your work and what you're doing because I think it's really important to get that voice for women in martial arts. Okay, thanks, Lucy.